Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello there, my very good friends. Andy H. Murray here from What Culture, joined by my very good friend, Andrew Pollard, for this our WWE Smackdown review for the August 5th episode. That's last week. I should have just said that. What am I doing? Uh, in case you missed our Rampage and Battle of the Belts review earlier today, it's me and Andrew Pollard today, baby. Uh, everyone else is uh, is not here. That's why you've got us. Uh, we'll see how it pans out during the weeks. But, you know, people take the holidays at the same time. Very selfish, if you ask me. Very selfish. Apart from Willborn, it's his birthday. We'll let him off anyway. Remember that if you're a fan of our unique brand of wrestling nonsense, you can find us on Spotify, Apple, or just about anywhere you get your podcasts from. We do reviews, we do previews, we do roundtable discussions, interviews, and a whole lot more, mostly for AEW and WWE, but sometimes we do dip into the wider world of wrestling as well. Anyway, SmackDown, last Friday, Triple H's first, I guess, proper one after that awkward first week where he was in charge of creative but they still had SummerSlam to get to so he wasn't really in charge of creative um this is his first proper show big picture thoughts on this show Mr. Parlard coming out of that raw which was uh, a pretty big uh, change from the previous week I thought maybe not so much on Smackdown I felt yeah Smackdown felt a little more in addition to what we've seen previously from SmackDown in, in regards and comparison to, to the shift we saw on Raw. But there were still, obviously, for me personally, there was two massive things coming out of SmackDown. I guess technically three. Um, but yeah, three things that came out of SmackDown. I was like, oh, yes, Shayna Baszler. Thank, thank the Lord. Lord H, Papa H. And also, obviously, <laughs> uh, a certain uh, double act that, that made their return at the the closing minutes. But yeah, it was, it was, there, there was enough there to keep me... Um, Keep me excited for, for what we're going to see going forward, hopefully, in WWE. I mean, it, it could all end up turning out to be complete trash, but hopefully Triple H is going to be steering this ship in a, in a way that we're all, uh, we can all get on board with. So, yeah, no, this was, it was a fun SmackDown. It wasn't the most eventful in some regards, but, yeah, there was, like I said, there was a couple of key parts here that were like, oh, man, that's really got my attention. Yeah, I, I completely agree. We'll talk about those flashes and those parts as we go through the show. Um, it's certainly... Really nice to be able to sit here and review a WWE weekly television show, not from the standpoint of, well, Vince is in charge, so the things that maybe we're not so fond of are never going to change. Um, so, you know, even if these changes are a bit more gradual than a lot of people were hoping for, which we will get into probably on our Raw preview later today, um, it, it's still good to know, and it's good to have that degree of hope and that degree of optimism I'm uh, I feel re-energized when it comes to this weekly product, which I haven't been able to say for a long, long time, because, you know, even when you like certain parts of it, and certainly there are things on Raw and SmackDown that I've enjoyed every single week, pretty much. Um, 
even when you enjoy certain part of it, you know that the other parts, the downs, if you will, uh, to put it in a what culture parlance, are not necessarily ever going to be something that Vince McMahon, not the most reflective of dudes, is going to look at and go, oh, well, that thing I've been doing for 25 years, it's not cutting it anymore. But on to the last week's oh, show. Voice. You get me excited for that voice. Oof. Oh, man, listen, I, I'm impression. an underrated impression guy. I know Wilborn's the wacky voice guy, but you know, uh-huh. I reckon I could take him out. Uh, happy birthday, Adam. We love you. Please come back. Yeah, I you need you to do this job. You're so much better than me. Um, <laughs> we begin the show. SummerSlam recap, of course. It's Pat McAfee. It's Michael Cole in the announce booth. Um, McAfee was so funny when he was narrating uh, his victory over Happy Corbin, of course, at SummerSlam, talking about how he'd kicked balls his whole life. Bit of long-term storytelling coming after this match here uh, as well with regards to that. Showing the footage of him hoofing Happy Corbin right between the legs uh, over and over and over. We got Chance and McAfee. The guy is over as hell in the arena. Uh, in the back, Happy Corbin. He's watching the footage on the screen at the patented WWE angle. Uh, a bunch of people were laughing at him, which is just perfect. He's, he's such a, like his character is such a good loser. Um, he was fuming. Ricochet stood up to him, made fun of Corbin a little bit, and boom, we have a match. Now, immediately, you're like, oh, okay. Triple H, I see what you're doing here. One of your guys, someone who was featured a lot better in NXT than he has been for the bulk of his main roster run in Ricochet facing a main roster dude. Uh, and we had the match and it was really good fun. Good 11 or 12 minutes to start the show. Uncharacteristic, you know, I guess technically the show did start with somebody talking, but it wasn't the usual promo train in the opener, you know? Bit different, bit of a different flavor, which we all appreciate. And they had a really good match, playing off their conflicting styles, playing off their conflicting personalities. And I mean, these guys are chalk and cheese, Ricochet and Happy Corbin, from their roots in the sport, from their philosophies towards it, from their gimmicks, from their alignments. You had a lot of stuff with Pat at ringside as well. He's just rubbing it in Corbin's face the whole match. Corbin gets distracted on a few occasions looking over and it was one of these things that came towards the end uh Corbin looking over at McAfee who's just been a dick I mean like a lovable dick <laughs> but a dick um yep. he looks over Ricochet takes advantage crotched Corbin on the top rope he hit the recoil and the shooting star press for the victory always nice to see a shooting star press uh the fans popped huge they were into this throughout to be fair uh, and as he was going for the shooting star press, McAfee was saying he was going to do something that he didn't do smoothly at SummerSlam, uh, and that was hit the move smoothly. So a nice bit of self-awareness there from yep. Patrick McAfee afterwards. You had, this is why you talk about kicking balls, brother. Um, Pat McAfee got thrown the football. He's a punter. He kicks balls. You know the deal. And he kicked one into the crowd. Send the fans home happy. Man, just as like, a weekly television match. I thought this was an absolute triumph. What did you think? Yeah, exactly. Not not every match it has to be that five star, twenty five minute pay per view main event. This was great for an opener. Um, the two conflicting styles are great. It was good to see Ricochet get the win. I think we all could see that coming once the, the way the, the the ship was steering with um, with, with Pat's antics. Um, and not just is you talk about how good a, a loser. Baron Corbin is happy. Corbin is. It's like not just is he bum ass, but he's great at showing ass. Um, it's it just he's he's so good in that role. People can it. I don't know. It's cool to dump on Baron Corbin. What he is there to do, he is absolutely great at it. Um, and yeah, just him is that just the 
the, the dominant heel monster with Ricochet just bouncing off him. It, it's, it works so well. It's a, it's a tale as old as time, but it, it was one that was um, one that was fantastically delivered. Um, and it is. It's like Corbin's, Corbin's lost a lot lately. Um, and it, it feels like this is, again, at the start of another, like, plummet to the depths for him. And, and, <laughs> and if it is, I'm here to see that. It's like, it's uh, Baron Corbin... I, it's, I don't know the times when I thought I'd never say this, but like he always has me interested in what he's doing because I mean we saw the the, the Riddick Moss, well Madcap Moss, sorry, silly me calling him Riddick. Um, yeah, the, the Madcap Moss stuff when that eventually got past the okay, it's just these goofy gimmicks, and they got to the, the matches. That was great for for Moss, and who knows, maybe this win is the start of something for Ricochet and the, the Pat McAfee issue still lingers on. Pat McAfee's just so good. Like you talk about how entertaining he is, and like these people. Us, we people, we the people, um, were, um, you, you could have Pat McAfee step from behind that announce desk during a Roman Reigns segment and him getting a ring and people would be there for like, we, I'm, I'm here for, for Roman Reigns and Pat McAfee. That is how over this guy is right now, how entertaining he is, how much of a presence he has, the charisma. We, we talked on it on a previous part earlier today about, touched upon what he's done to Michael Cole to rejuvenate Michael Cole. Uh, and Cole deserves a lot of credit as well, but yeah, man, Pat McAfee's just what he's just he's he's the most over guy in the company. It feels like at times, just yeah. Uh, and this opening match was a great example of Pat, a great example of, of Ricochet, a great example of Corbin of what these three can do and bring to the table. Yeah, Corbin is so far ahead of his uh, receding hairline biker days uh, in NXT when he was doing the countdown gimmick with the the, the quick jobber squashes and the. The spotlight and oh, all of that stuff. He's yeah, uh, him and what's he do? Yeah. Oh my god, New York fella, Bull Dempsey. When they, yes, because <laughs> yes. they just had competitions of who could squash jobbers the quickest, and then they got their takeover match. Yeah, the dark days that transitioned then into bullfit and all of that stuff, uh, which happens. Yeah, crazy stuff. But uh, he's really he's the perfect WWE upper upper mid card heel. He's a spoiler. He's uh, good at making you uh, really root against him. I think. Uh, guy who genuinely rubs a lot of people the wrong way as well, which is good stuff. Uh, it's good to be invested in these characters. And look, if it means we get Corbin going off the rails again, character-wise, I am all the way here for that. I thought that 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 era was just great television, great WWE-style television. Um, and that's not even a qualifier. It's just a different breed. Um, this was great. Looks like Ricochet is going to be a re- recipient of more under Triple H, you'd expect that. He's not a Vince guy. He's not a guy who's going to go out there and talk, you know, for 20 minutes on the microphone and be like this incredible uh, talker or whatever, this engaging presence on the mic for that level of time. He's His strengths are primarily between the ropes. He is uh, one of the most dazzling wrestlers of his generation. And you position him opposite a complimentary presence like Baron, who is good at the opposite in WWE, uh, not to undersell his in-ring, which has come along leaps and bounds as well. It's just a winning combination. Uh, and props to Triple H. This was a really good way to start the show. Yeah, After. I think we're ricocheting. He, sorry, we, yeah, we saw how Triple H knows how to use him, that running NXT. Rather than give him five minutes of mic time, he'd have him do that that ridiculous flip where he confronted Velveteen Dream, where it's like, oh my God. Genuinely, something I don't think I've ever seen before, and that's a moment that still stands to this day. Like one of like the coolest things ever seen in NXT. Um, so Triple H gets Ricochet, um, and and that's it. Like you said, just let the, let, let the worker do the talking, not the talking do the talking. And yeah, it's you look at across the company, the people who would be I don't know 
uh, kind of would be the most ecstatic at Triple H taking charge. And like Ricochet's got to be up there, man. And hopefully we see more from him and more from Baron Corbin. Absolutely. Good stuff across the boards. Uh, a really encouraging start to this show. Go backstage. Sami Zayn trying to get in the Bloodlines locker room, isn't he? and he, he goes all the way through a commercial break. Uh, this segment, yeah, trying to get in. The Usos come out. They won't let him talk to Roman Reigns. Uh, they say Paul Heyman's not at the show tonight. He is recovering from home. Covering at home, of course, he uh, took a tremendous bump in that SummerSlam main event. Uh, but they promised Sami Zayn, the Usos did, that later he will be able to talk to Roman Reigns. So something we will come back to later on, of course, when they revisit this storyline. But we move on. Shinsuke Nakamura, is he going to get his intercontinental title shot? Is he going to get a shot at Michael Hamflit and that glorious belt? Yeah. Uh you know, I think he faced Ludwig Kaiser here. I think coming out of Raw, maybe the hope of this show was we look at the the great job they did with the US title on Raw when they uh, they showed the video of past champions going all the way back to your Harley races and everyone else uh, through to the modern era with Bobby Lashley who cut a good promo about restoring the honor of the belt. It's just classic stuff. Um, Coming out of that, maybe we hope that this episode of SmackDown would do something similar for the IC title. Uh, perhaps not to the same level, but I think having the, having, you know, the belt is on TV is what I'm trying to say. It's focused in a good program, and that is good stuff indeed. Especially dorks of our age, man. We have such nostalgia for this belt, for for what it represented back in the day, and, you know, all those SummerSlam 92 and whatever else you want to mention. Um but Nakamura and Ludwig Kaiser, they had a good match here. Obviously, Kaiser is kind of like a roadblock for, for Nakamura to get to Gunther. That was the stipulation. Uh, Nakamura wins. So him and Gunther goes on next week with some USA chants early on, which was weird because the baby faces uh, baby faces from Japan here, friends. Uh, not sure what yeah. was going on there, but it didn't catch on, which was nice. Um, Nakamura recovered from some early offense from Kaiser, rocked him with a running knee. We progress, we progress, we progress. Kaiser is in total control later on, but Nakamura catches him with an arm, ba arm band. No, we're not swimming, Andy, you moron. That wasn't on, that wasn't on Jericho's list back in the day. I saw the arm band. <laughs> no, it certainly wasn't. And there were no moss-covered 300 family gudunzas in this match either. But Nakamura hit the Kinshasa for the win after Ludwig Kaiser broke him free from that arm bar. Andy, uh, Nakamura gets the IC title match. Him and Gunther went face-to-face -face after the bell. Kind of what you'd expect from this, a good solid TV match between guys who know the hell what they're doing and theoretically a good challenge for Walter. Gunther! Yeah, Gunther, Gunther, Gunther. We have to get that right still. Um, yeah, it's just two good workers working a, a good TV match. And it is the biggest take-home is that Shinsuke Nakamura versus Gunther is coming up. And that... That's something that I'm looking forward to. What I think that's on TV next week on SmackDown. But even if that was to happen at Clash of the Castle, if, if obviously it's not like WWE would always do just one and done matches, there could be shenanigans. But if we were to get that match at Clash, I, as someone's going to be there, I would be very happy to see it. But no, it's coming out of SummerSlam. I really, really enjoy SummerSlam from top to bottom. But my one slight beef was no IC title match. It's If you yeah. try to make that feel like a big deal, it, that, that needs to be on, especially the big tempo premium live events on least said pay-per-views. Um, but no, I, I, I enjoyed this match. It was fine for what it was. I think we knew exactly what was going to happen. And I was hoping that was going to happen because it was going to lead to Nakamura versus Gunther. And that, if given time, 
if these guys are allowed to do what they can do best, that could be a really special TV match. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I completely agree. Um, we'll hopefully see more from the IC title going forward. I, I, I hope they give them a big chunk of TV next week. Um, a renewed focus on the mid-card titles is something that a lot of people have wanted for a long, long time, ourselves included, for so long. They've just been these these MacGuffins that exist and they're kind of passed around without much rhyme or reason. So following on from the US title that we will talk about on today's Raw preview, because there's a big match, of course, uh, coming up tonight. Yeah. Hopefully they can do something similar with the IC title. It's early days, but I think Triple H is someone who respects the history of these things is, is probably going to be likelier to do that than Vince. Um, but yeah, man, they're doing some good stuff here. I, I think the presentation of Gunther on the main roster has been really solid so far. Yeah. Um, say what you will about red trunks and, and whatever, whatever. I think that's superficial. I don't think it matters too much. Um, they've done a good job of presenting him probably, you know, as the closest version of himself that you can expect on this lens. You know, they're not going to have him go on TV and make, you know, ground beef of people's chests necessarily. It's it's a PG show. It's it's big budget. It's Fox. It's whatever. Um, but he's been very close to that. And I think that's to his and WWE's credit. And I think it'll be even better with Triple H as well. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I think now we talk about renewed focus on the on the, the secondary titles. I think you have the not just the, the, the Triple H factor and the lack of Vince McMahon, but it's like this is the perfect time because Everybody's talked about Clash of the Castle coming up, the big UK show, first big stadium UK show in 30 years. We've got the 30th anniversary of SummerSlam 1992, which was a pay-per-view headlined by one of the greatest Intercontinental title matches of all time. It's like, th this is where you, you go back to that. It's 30 years since that, that, that title meant such a massive... I mean, it's obviously made... It's, it's become a bigger thing in the years after that before it dropped off a cliff. But just, it's it all ties together so nicely that you can just use all that history, this convenient anniversary... The UK return to put that that title in a really big important spot on the Clash of the Castle card, uh, and I'm I, I'm not sure what you do with it. I, I just I want to see that in a special place. Maybe it is Nakamura running back with with Gunther, but that that needs to be heavily focused at the, the, the premium live event. Um, and yeah, I, I, you like to have faith in, in trips to do that as a, really as a student of the game. Yeah, and a historian, and and like you said, what he did the, the US package that they put together, like how easy was that it's a five minute i'm sure one of those what adam or whatever his name is behind the scenes the the redhead kid that Shawn michaels talked about his hall of fame speech uh i'm sure it took them a little while to put it together but like a five minute not even that three minute video package and all of a sudden that belt that's been iffy over the years means more than it's meant in a long old time which is that's something that triple eight didn't need to do that vince man could have easily done that but hey that that's it just shows like three minutes of tv and you can make a title all of a sudden feel a lot more relevant and yeah I, I think the icing titles it's on a it's on a good guy to carry it and i think it's in a good position moving forward and i, I look forward to it yeah the whole gunther presentation as well like you said it's yes okay there's a name change there's a red trunks there's a, the music change but it it fits because of the shape the dude's got it's almost like two different people it's like it works really well because you put walter next to gunther and it's like these guys brothers is one of them handful? <laughs> um, yeah, no, but it's just the, the, the change of presentation at the time means it was more palatable to take these changes to the character, the name, the, the music, the trunks, and he's still, at the end of the day, the same worker. Um, like you said, you're not going to get the ground beef chest chops on, on weekly television. You'll get them on premium live events, so that's fine. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm I'm in the exact same space with it, and I'm uh, looking forward to seeing what comes next. Um, we went backstage. No, we didn't. No, we didn't. We started off by recapping recent events between the new vicious Viking Raiders and the New Day. Um, a little highlight of Xavier Woods getting injured, leading to this week's goings-on. Uh, Megan Morant interviewed Kofi Kingston backstage. He said that Woods is doing well, he's recovering at home, and he promised to get revenge for his fallen partner. We then went over to Sami Zayn again, that rascal. Um, knock, knock, knocking on the bloodline's door. He didn't get a text from the Usos. Jimmy and Jay said they were going to text him, and they did not. Oh, what? You can't trust those guys, man. Uh, he tried to walk. Well, he tried to get to Roman again. That was the deal. You know, you know how this dynamic works. Uh, the Usos said, hey, Sami Zayn, how about you take over Paul Heyman's job tonight? How about you take care of Roman's ring entrance? So Sammy was a little, uh, he wasn't really up for that, but he eventually agreed. They glared and they walked off. Yeah, Sami Zayn's doing a good job. He's, he's such a runt, his character. Yeah. He's, he, he's a good guy to suck up to, the, to these top guys. Yeah, he's, he's, he's such a, a willing victim in all of this, where it's like, I'll just go and give him a knock because they said they'll text me, but maybe there's bad signal in the building. Like, just he's that, uh, I guess, almost like Stockholm syndrome in the way where he's making excuses for them, like, hey, maybe they're no signal, maybe their batteries died, whatever, maybe they're, they're stuck somewhere. It's just he's facilitating the abuse that he's getting from them. And and it's, I mean, if down the line this leads to the return of babyface Sami Zayn, a, a consider me a happy but for now it's he's just he is great at as the the slimy run who's just desperate for a bit of relevancy on the aisle of relevancy by uh by latching onto the popularity the 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 status the power of the bloodline and, and i think the usos were great in this role as well it's like almost the the cock blockers between, between sammy and roman reigns but it's just like yeah no we're and stringing them just give him enough to keep him stringing along yeah it's sammy's great in this man i think sammy's great at whatever he does to be honest yeah, he does a tremendous job. Um, he's really leapt into this character as well. I think, you know, at one point when he first turned, a lot of us were quite reluctant, given his history in WWE as the pure-hearted babyface, and his history before that as El Generico. But, yeah, I mean, the guy is an essential TV character in this company, one of the most entertaining guys there, and uh, he's going to kill everything he does. We had a segment from the SmackDown Women's Champion, Liv Morgan, after this. She, of course, overcame Ronda Rousey at the premium live event, but there was a little bit of controversy. The finish was, of course, um, pin while Ronda was tapping Liv out to the armbar. So Ronda, of course, is suspended indefinitely. It's a storyline suspension with a fine for attacking Liv and the referee after the bell. So Liv is in the ring. Her arm is in a sling. That's a nice rhyme. Totally unintentional. Uh, Kayla Braxton goes over the finish. Goes over everything. Poor Liv got, a, she got booed. She got you tapped out chance. Um, she said that the only reason she tapped out was because she thought the referee had already counted three. Uh, the fans booed that again. So a tough night at the office here for Liv. Uh, this fed into what was to come, the, 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 the gauntlet match to crown her next number one contender. We'll get to that in just a second. Uh, just to explore some big picture thoughts on, on Liv as SmackDown Women's Champion, I thought it was quite encouraging uh, that when we won the belt, when she won the belt, we got these reports of how well her merch was shifting all of a sudden and the reaction she was getting at house shows and stuff. But I will say that, you know, 
if if you present your babyface champion having this crowning glory of winning the belt first of all by shortcutting and taking advantage of a, a, a dire, like a, a tired opponent who'd already wrestled the match that's never ideal you're not putting them off on good babyface footing and then when you get to the second match and you have the opportunity to write that by having her win through a different means you give her this kind of banana skin where she tapped out and it, it, it's disputed. Yeah, you're not really doing a lot to endear the crowd to her there. So for me, maybe the crowd's reception was a little bit harsh, but I think, you know, you pay your ticket, you can do what you want as long as it's not offensive and disrespectful and disgusting. Um, I think it's kind of a reflection of the way she's been booked on television, at least. No, I totally agree. The, the, the Money in the Bank briefcase uh, itself, the, the whole concept of that is... It, it's tailored for a heel. It's 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 a heel maneuver. That's why the the baby faces have really succeeded with it. You look at John Cena and Rob Van Dam, where they announced ahead of time their cash ins because they're all smiling, granny kissing, baby hugging baby faces. Not going to take the, the shortcut of just like, oh, that guy or girl has been beaten down for twenty minutes and they've just about got through this long battle. Yeah, I'm going to slide in and take that title off them, which is effectively what Liv did. Um, and like you said, they could have righted that, that wrong by having just handling the, the next match between the two differently, but it was. And I think the way that, okay, Liv taps out, but then in her promo on SmackDown, she talks about like, well, I only tapped out because I thought that the ref had carried three. It's like, well, so you're still a bit of a quitter then, really. Yeah. It's in like, you, you weren't fighting through that. You weren't struggling on. It's like, no, no, I, 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 yeah. Um, and I, I think for me, the the bigger talking point, the, the more interesting point is we've seen over the years, God damn it, man, we've seen so many times where, a crowd reacts the opposite to how a character is being presented. Uh, and Vince McMahon, WWE, just double down. Roman Reigns is that prime example, clearly. But you, we've had so many times where the, the audience, the WWE Universe, you have a voice, but you don't really. <laughs> now it's under different stewardship. So if this carries on, this sort of reaction for Liv carries on on this week's SmackDown and maybe the week after in different cities, uh, does Triple H maybe look at it and go like, hey, well, the fans are treating her as a heel. Maybe we look at some sort of character switch-up. And then how do, how do the fans react when Ronda does eventually come back? Because she was in traditional Wrexham. Uh, Wrexham? Wrexham, yes. We're talking <laughs> about Wrexham today. Just casually throwing that in. Uh, yeah, in, in the traditional wrestling historical sense, Ronda Rousey post-match was very much being framed as a heel. And so does the crowd react to, to Ronda as the, uh, the screwed-over babyface? Is Liv Morgan the, the sly, sinister, underhand, calculating heel? Does Liv reveal that, like, this whole babyface well, act has just been a facade? And, yeah, she did whatever it took to get the, the, the title off somebody like Ronda Rousey, who, on paper, she should not be beaten. So I'm interested to see how they go forward character-wise with, with Liv after this. And if, of course, it could just be a one-off from that crowd and, you know, she could be getting cheered out the building on, on this coming Friday. But, yeah, it's an interesting one. And you saw Kayla Braxton with the, the look of disgust, and she put herself on, on Twitter about how she was disgusted in the how the crowd reacted to, to Liv. Um, but, again, like you said, it's people paying their money. As long as they're not being disrespectful, spouting hateful garbage or whatever, if, if a crowd's just booing somebody, that's their right. Yeah. And, again, yeah. It's, it's, it's more testament to how she's being positioned and framed rather than the work that Liv Morgan's put in. Because nobody can say she's... She's not put the hard work in over the years and the hard yards, and she's so shown vast improvement. But it's more just how she's been framed. Are we? How, what are we cheering her for? Uh, she she got the she got the cash in, which again is a natural heel maneuver. And then she had the the the, the, the cop out win where she actually tapped out. So why why should we as an audience cheer her for that? Yeah. Precisely, I think it's it's going to be the first 
big listen and adjust moment of Triple H's tenure. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what he does with it. It's it's clear that if she's going to continue as a baby face, well, we need to not portray her as such a, for lack of better word, loser, uh, in the, even in these winning situations. So strong win necessary for Liv, I feel, coming up. And that'll be a challenge, given that who prospered from this gauntlet match. So we'll, I'll just go through all of these stages relatively quickly because they were really quick uh, themselves. Uh, Sonia Deville interrupted uh, Liv Morgan's segment with Kayla Braxton. She said, you shouldn't be the champion, blah, blah, blah. A couple of fans cheered at this, as was the theme of the segment. Um, Sonia mocked Adam Pearce, said she was going to win the gauntlet match, and she started off against Aaliyah. Uh, Really short, compact stuff here. This lasted about two minutes uh, Morgan was at ringside for the duration and we got a Ronda Rousey chant at one point. It was, it was interesting. So the first phase of this is Sonia Deville. She overcomes Aaliyah relatively easily. She hits a crossbody off the second for a near fall. Sorry, Aaliyah. It's a crossbody off the second for a near fall. Uh, Deville recovers, pins her for the win. Sonia advances to then face, uh, Raquel Rodriguez, who had the, uh, kind of monster run through this gauntlet. Um, she ended up defeating Sonia relatively easily. Again, uh, about two minutes here. Uh, it was a chop block from Sonia trying to take advantage. Good heel stuff. And then a Vader bomb into an elbow drop from Rodriguez. Uh, she followed up with a power bomb for the pin. Out came Shotzi. She lasted a minute and a half. Thank you for coming. Good work if you can get it. It was the Vader bomb elbow and the power bomb again getting the fall there. After that, Natalia, the veteran, is she going to do better? She's been around for ages. Look at who she's wrestled. Two minutes and 20 seconds, according to my notes <laughs> here. Um, Natalia's approach was to go after the knee, which has, of course, been worked over with the chop block and whatever, whatever. Uh, she went for some submissions, but she had no chance whatsoever. Raquel was uh, steamrolling these poor people. Uh, she recovered, hit the power bomb again for the win. So Raquel summoning her inner Wardlow with power bomb after power bomb after power bomb, putting in a very good account of herself. That leaves one person. Who's the last person you want to? end a match like this against where you've already got a sore knee. It's the submission magician. It's Shayna Baszler, somebody who you think would be a recipient of a big push in the Triple H era. Uh, this kind of started during a commercial, but when we came back, Shayna was in control. She's going after the leg. It's good psychology. It's it's straightforward pro wrestling stuff. Uh, and then she went to the arm. She looked over at Morgan trying to send a message. Uh, Baszler went for the Kirafuda clutch, but Raquel r- avoided that. Uh, she went for the Vader bomb elbow again. Baszler got the Kirafuda clutch. Raquel broke free. So some good drama towards the end of this fall. Uh, but then Baszler, she rolled her up. You know, Raquel was already softened up for the win. No tapping out. Nothing like that. They didn't go for that finish, which they could have done with a leg lock or whatever if they wanted to. But hey, here we are. Uh, it's Liv Morgan versus Shayna Baszler as things stand for Clash at the Castle. And afterwards, they had a bit of a stare down. Uh, your thoughts on, on Shayna Baszler sending here, getting the win. Challenging live at Clash at the Castle. Oh, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. The not necessarily the match, but I, I love the, the concept that now we're we're coming out of this show. Shayna Baszler is the number one contender for that for that uh, SmackDown Women's Title, um, and I, it's just it's unfortunate because I don't think she's going to win at Clash of the Castle. Obviously, we've got a, a few weeks to get there because it, it's clearly being geared up for Ronda Rousey to return and get some. Uh, I, I, is it is it redemption revenge? I don't know on Liv Morgan. But I, I like the fact that 
uh, Shayna Baszler is being made to feel like a big deal, even though she came in last. But again, that just that that falls into the character. She is a heel, and it, it's like you mentioned there about how it was the, the perfect position to put her when you've got the weakened giant who you've got the the submission magician as her name is the nickname is who just comes in and, and exploits the situation she's in to get the win I, I thought the the winning sequence was i think it was it was really clever in conception i think it was executed a little bit clunkily but hey i can let him off with that uh, and you, you protect well, you protect raquel because she's gone through whatever five girls to get to where she is um but just we're these gauntlets, because a lot of the time they tend to happen on Raw, and obviously Raw's got a lot more time to play with, so you end up with, like, Seth Rollins running the gauntlet for an hour, whereas this was condensed into about, what, 20 minutes, I think, and it was, uh, as you pointed out, they're all two-minute squashes, especially when Raquel got in there. It's like, oh, right, okay, but the person coming in is fresh, especially when Natty came in. I thought Natty might have got, like, you know, maybe five minutes, but it's like, no, 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 it doesn't, doesn't matter that she's the, I think she is the official last uh, graduate of the, the Heart Dungeon. It doesn't matter of that and her veteran status and her Again, her submission skills, nah, she's just getting two minutes as well, brother. But, yeah, the match wasn't all that much to write home about. But the the, the key thing for me coming out of it is that Shayna Baszler is hopefully going to be positioned as a big deal, especially these next few weeks on TV. If you just have her dominating live week after week, week after week, then, you, again, that only re-emphasises the whole fact that Liv Morgan is very much the undersized baby face in all of this. So when she gets a big win at Clash, it, it means a little bit more. Uh, the Ronda coming back. Yeah, I, I, you're dead right about the format. Gauntlets are tricky unless you're going to do the the Seth Rollins thing where the match goes like two hours or whatever. It, you know, it's very difficult to fit them into TV. But with that comes the realism aspect of just squash, 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 squash. Uh, yeah. It can be tricky, um, difficult balancing act across the board. So the problems are quite there front and center. And uh, yeah, for me, the two biggest takeaways would be that, yep, Raquel had a reason for losing here. She'd been through a bunch of different people and she had an injured knee and then she had to face Shayna Baszler and of course Shayna's victory. I wonder if maybe uh, we might see the start of perhaps a, a Ronda Rousey-Shayna Baszler alliance on screen if it ties into the clash match when Ronda is going to come back, presumably, and, and and be out for blood. That would be cool because they have that personal history together. So there's a lot yeah. of options to play with here in this women's division. Interesting, the lack of Lacey Evans in this match and on this show. Uh, yeah. So Fightful Select came through with a report over the weekend talking about how chaotic and like unorganized her creative has been, and that's been reflected on air. So some interesting questions to ask about her future in the division, but um, yeah, man, never going to complain about seeing Shayna Baszler on top. I'm a big fan. I loved her NXT title reign. I think she's awesome. And uh, if there's anyone that's going to push her, it is going to be triple. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 
Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help? a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. H. Um, from there, we move on to Sami Zayn. Again, here he is, backstage. Uh, he's at the Bloodline's door. He's done everything that the Usos asked, and they still wouldn't let him talk to Roman Reigns. This guy, he's getting played like a fiddle here, and he doesn't even realize yep. it. He gets a bit annoyed. Uh, the Usos shout at him. Uh, they told him he needed to start pulling his weight or take that shirt off. So here we go. Still got that bubbling away. One day... One day we're going to get babyface Sammy versus heel Roman, and it's going to be wonderful. Hopefully, maybe. Yeah, or, or or maybe I know. Obviously, depending on how Triple H is going to treat the brand split, maybe this is all going to be babyface Sammy with babyface KO taking uh, those titles from the Usos. I'd be all oh. for that. But yeah, you you, I don't think that'd be great if done well. Hey, if it's done at Clash of the Castle, I'd be very happy to see that match. Yes, but I think the the great pitch as well as you mentioned there, the the, the culmination of all of this. Whether he wins or loses, needs to there has to be that big singles match, and not just a, a convoluted TV match that's full of shenanigans. There needs to be a big 15, 20 minute match between Sami Zayn and Roman Reigns at some point down the line. Uh, maybe they take the tag titles on the way to getting there, but I, I, yeah, I, it's a story that all involved, all the people involved, they managed to keep this entertaining, even though it's been going on for, for months by this point in time. Um, and it does feel like we're getting. We're in the end game, brother. Um, it feels like we're nearly there. And yeah, it's, it's interesting to see how things go. What's the final straw that makes Sammy kind of wake up to all of this? If it is a babyface turn, what babyface Sammy Zayn looks like in 2022? Because I think it's what, four years, maybe five years he's been here now. Yeah. It's just, and it's like, there, there's so many other like little kind of tiny questions like, does he have the shaved head again? Do he have the shorter hair? Does that horrible ratty mullet go, uh, which obviously plays so well as that hero <laughs> character? Uh, does does his gear change back up? Do we get the full scar dancing Sami Zayn, who was just such a uh, oh, an engaging, entertaining presence to watch all the time in NXT um, and even on the main roster, main roster initially? Yeah, just it's it's a it's a. Uh, it's just it's a it's a situation the wrestling that's got me very excited, very interested in it, very invested in it, um, and that's testament to all that, that have been involved in this over the the. And, and I like it as well that they kept Paul off TV, um, which is yes. that's good. Yeah, that's to have Paul Heyman off TV and to have Sammy uh, to kind of be the pseudo wise man almost for now. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, sell the beat down, baby. You got to sell stuff yeah. like this. It's uh, it's frustrating when something major happens on a Sunday or a Saturday and then by the next Friday everything is well and everyone's, you know, bopping around and stuff. It's it just 
you know, the, the kind of things that reward you for paying attention. Just don't insult people's logic. Don't treat them like, like idiots, basically. Uh, Paul Heyman is not a wrestler, and so when he takes a bump like this, he should be in great deals of pain. Um, right, we're going to... What I'll do for the, this next segment, it all fits together, so I'll recap the lot of it, and then we'll go into our thoughts on it in general. But uh, the Viking Raiders, the new vicious Viking Raiders, of course... Um, have a squash match. They face Tommy Gibson and Jim Mulkey. Good to see a Mulkey <laughs> on pro wrestling TV yes. uh, 40 years later. Uh, but yeah, this yeah. was a one-sided pounding, as you'd expect. Um, Ivar gave Gibson, I think it was. He gave him a slam. Uh, and then Mulkey ate the double powerbomb uh, on top of Gibson <laughs> for the win. Uh Shades of the offers of pain there in their old finish. But afterwards, Kofi Kingston comes down. He, he comes after them with a kendo stick. Fans loving Kofi. He clears the ring. Uh, we get Kofi and Eric going one-on-one. Short match. It's about four minutes. Um, Pierce, Postman Pierce, made it during the break. We come back and Eric is kicking Kofi in the face. He's rocking him. He's slowing it down. We get a chin lock. Uh, then come back from Kofi. Crossbody for the two count. Kofi went for the SOS. Eric slammed him for a near fall. Follow up with the full Nelson into the knee. Kofi recovers, sends Eric out of the ring to ringside. We get the trust fall. Uh, Ivar tries to hit Kofi with Kofi's own kendo stick. You damn Ivar. Um, but he missed. Back in the ring, Kofi rolls Eric up for the sudden win. Bit of a banana skin. This was... Okay, so across the board, probably the most Vince... Thing that happened on this yeah. show i think you get the you get the one match rolling into another aspect of postman pierce making this thing after kingston made the save following the squash and then of course you get the banana skin loss with the distraction and the the, the outside interference going wrong and you know it's it's not my preferred style of booking um I, I don't subscribe to the idea that these roll-ups protect people. I think that we've been going through so many years of them now that for me, it's more likely to elicit an eye roll. Uh, it's kind of a tire trope. And for me, kind of disappointing that this happened on this show because yes, it's week-to-week TV. Yes, you can't give away decisive finishes all of the time. But for a clean break from Vince booking into Triple H booking, I would have preferred if they'd done this a little differently. Yeah, I I agree totally. There was the the, the whole roll up that that just always annoys me. Um, it is very much a Vincism, as is the match being made on the fly, which is one of my 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 probably my only nitpick with the opening match was like, oh right, Ricochet and and Corbin getting into it backstage and they're having a match right away. Well, what was supposed to open SmackDown? Like what was supposed <laughs> to be in this spot now? And I think with with this match, you, you very much could have got. Um, a you could have done a clean win for Kofi. This is a guy who's a former world champion against, okay, it was only a squash match that they, they'd just been through, but the Viking Raiders had just had a match and they're going up against someone who's proven in singles competition, has a, has a, a healthy world championship reign under his belt. There's there's no reason really to me why Kofi didn't get the win here. And then you can have a post-match beat down and get some heat back. It's, yeah, it just felt a little unnecessary and, and just felt very much uh, same old, same old that we've become accustomed to over the last however many years. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but the feud continues. You'd imagine culminating in a big match between these gentlemen and their respective partners. Uh, and we close the night on, uh, well, carrying Cross. He's back and Scarlet with him too. So 
Roman Reigns, we've been building to this segment the whole night. He comes down. He's talking about Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre, of course, is the number one contender to the undisputed WWE Universal Championship after beating Sheamus in the Donnybrook. Sorry, sorry, sorry. The good old-fashioned Donnybrook last week. Um, Bloodline come out. Five-minute ring entrance. You know the drill. It's good. It's a good time. Uh, Reigns demanded South Carolina acknowledge him. Everyone popped. Everyone's into this act. It's good. You love to see it. Uh, he's here to brag about winning at SummerSlam. Yada, yada, yada. He spoke about Brock Lesnar, uh, saying that he hates Brock Lesnar because he tried to kill the wise man in a line that popped me quite huge. Put out the prayers for Paul. And out comes Drew McIntyre with the inevitable interruption. Um, he said that he can't wait until Clash at the Castle. He wants to fight now. I can do those impressions because I'm of you can his, do those. <laughs> I'm of his extraction. Uh, that's when Carrying Cross's music hits, and it's interesting. I think there was a bit of confusion in the building at the time because maybe, you know, it's it's the music is 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 big and it's bombastic, but it kind of it doesn't really start off that way. So. When it hits, it's not something you're immediately going to go, boom, it's not got this explosive sting. It's a build. It's 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 a slow-building thing. But it comes on, you see Scarlet standing up against the video screen, and you've got the, the time aspect of it all. She's there to serve as, the, as a distraction. Drew is looking up the ramp. Carrying Cross comes from behind. Head of hair, leather jacket, beats up Drew, <clears throat> sends him into the steps, and then the crowd realize who it is, and they get into it a little bit. This culminates in Cross and Scarlet. They put the hourglass down on the ring. TikTok Roman Reigns. Hello, you're the champion. We're here. We're going to cause a ruckus. Uh, they pose Cross and Scarlet doing that's the end of SmackDown. So Triple H obviously bringing one of his guys back through the door. From the moment Canning Cross was signed with WWE, it was reported that he was going to get fast-tracked. He was going to get the big promotion, the big push under Triple H. Um, unfortunately, Vince got his hands on that. Of course, we know about the main roster run where he was dressed up like the second coming of Quang, mixed with uh, the fourth member of Demolition that no one wanted, no one wanted the third, let alone the fourth, um, <laughs> that nobody wanted. Uh, it didn't go to plan. Careful what again. you say about Crush, brothers. Careful what you hey, say about listen, Crush. Listen, Kona Crush, give me it all day. Yes. Uh, Demolition Crush, maybe not so much. Uh, Chaz to those old superstars vignettes, the Crush stuff, where the the gimmick was literally, I'm a guy who crushes things. Live the gimmick, yeah. my friends. I'm Hawaiian, um, Shaka brother. Yeah, just tremendous. Yeah. Love that era, love that era. But we all do. Um, carrying Cross back in WWE, probably the most Triple H moment of the night in terms of it being one of his people. Thrust into the forefront. Uh, and now we've got talk that that this may be a USA network motivated move where that network wants a big title on Raw. So maybe they're going to split up the belts. Maybe they're going to give one to Cross and he's going to go to Raw. Maybe Drew and Roman are going to mix it up with the other one. Who knows? For now, we still have Drew versus Roman set for Clash at the Castle. There might be some stuff with Cross going on. But uh, something that inspired a lot of debate over the weekend, this angle. So I'm very eager to get your thoughts on this, Mr. Pollard. Oh, my thoughts were I, I absolutely loved it. Unequivocally loved this. It popped me big time. Just the, it was one of those moments where you're watching it and it's like, is that, is, is, and it's like, there's so many bits, like so the cogs keep turning because like there's the music. And like you said, it's a very slow build music. It's very slow as it gets going. And so it's like, it, it gives you a second, like, is that, and then you see the, the back of a, of a petite female figure on the, on the stage is like, nah, that, is it a good thing? 
is that Scott? And then you see the the bird on the Titan Tron or the entrance, whatever they call that thing now, the video wall. And it's like, oh, and just as you realize, like, this is carrying cross, you're waiting for him. And then he comes from nowhere, like mm. I said, with the hair, with a leather jacket, so very different to how he's been presented the last time we saw him on WWE television. Um, and the, the dude, the dude suits the hair as well, to be fair. He's a very good looking man. It's like if if people have been keeping up with him, obviously not the control your narrative guff, because that is just guff. But what he's been Rest up to in peace, like, control your narrative. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, they've still got Adam Sure. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Uh, but no, it was Cross has been, has been the matches I've seen of him during this his time away. Uh, the, the match here with Davey Boy Smith Jr., uh, at Ric Flair's final match. Like the, the guys. Been keeping himself active. He, he looks like a million bucks anyway. He looks like a movie star over there. Um, I'm just happy to see him back, and not just back, but clearly the, the intentions that, that Triple H have laid out there by having him come back in that segment involved with those talents, the two people who are set to headline the next premium live event, were one of which is the person who's held a title for about 1,065 million days, it feels like, in Roman <laughs> Reigns. But just the, 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 this is the reward you have of having Roman on a, a run like this. Yes, okay, there's lots of people he's beaten along the way, and there's that argument to it. But then when you mix people in with him, it's like, right, well, all of a sudden, just because of the run, Roman Reigns has been on, by carrying Cross breathing that same air, it's like, wow, they're carrying Cross is a big deal instantly, immediately. And whether that's to to take one of those titles to Raw, that's that's rumblings we've heard, because USA Network rightly want a, a world title on, on their programming, because it's all well and good if you, you're putting both world titles on one person, but then if you're the network, you want that person to appear on your show, and Roman Reigns does not, doesn't work Mondays, brother. Uh, so, I think whether that's the, the the end game for Crossfall, the initial end game, whether it's a case of he's some sort of roadblock for Drew until Clash of the Castle, who knows? Whether it is a case of he gets involved and it's a triple threat. And either way, it, it got me excited, it got me talking, it, it popped me in a really big way, especially because Fridays are my days off, and I've not seen any, I've not been on the internet all day. So, I believe there were reports of like, Carrying Cross may be returning to WWE. And some reports later on of like, yeah, he might be returning like really soon. So I'd seen none of this. So this was totally from left field for me. And I, I absolutely loved it. Yeah, I think um, Cross is a really interesting case. I think, so full disclosure, uh, for me, my taste, not my, I, I wasn't hugely into him in NXT. I think um, not necessarily through any fault of his own. It was just like, He's not really a guy who should have things like that 20 minute main event he had with Keith Lee. I think he should be a bulldozer. And um, when you when they tried to fit him into that blueprint, it was a bit like, okay, not necessarily a super worker kind of dude, which is fine because there should be room for all kinds of workers in wrestling. I'm a Satnam Singh guy. We established that earlier. Um, <laughs> But it was a bit like they did that, and then they had Adam Cole just do that promo where he just killed him on the microphone, and it was like, oh, God, what's going on here? Um, so I've never really bought all the way into his to his hype train for me personally, but that's a taste thing at the end of it. And, and I'm certainly not going to be the guy who sits here and goes, oh, this is going to suck, and shoot something down before it's even started here on the main roster, because obviously his presentation on the main roster last time was far from ideal that's straight up terrible across the board um this was much more in line with how you should present the guy and i thought this was an effective angle uh i thought it was very well done it was exactly what you said it was it was 
a case of just slowly building to the moment where he struck. And when he did, it was right on the money. It wasn't, you know, this complete destruction of Drew. It was uh, like just a sudden sting that caught Drew off guard. And he's immediately saying, hey, Roman Reigns, he planted his flag immediately and went, Roman, you're the big guy. Well, I'm a pretty big guy too. Let's do big guy stuff. Um, I I completely agree, you know, uh, removing... uh, Lots of previous versions of this character completely. I think this was a good reintroduction, and you know, I'm I, I'm looking forward to giving this a chance. I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do in this main event spotlight because I don't think you really know what someone's capable of in that area until you give it a try. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work, and we'll find something else for the guy to do. But I hope that lessons have been learned from Vince's uh, gimpery, shall we say, with Cross's presentation, and uh, yeah. There we go. Exciting things across the board, I think. Uh, it was a it's, newsworthy way to close the show. Uh, sometimes you just want that. You just want someone to talk about. And we've had exactly. a lot to talk about here. So do you have any more thoughts on this show or shall we bring um, it home? I think that's kind of it. But just to kind of follow on from your, your last comments, I think it is with Cross. He's one of those talents where the key to him is the presentation. He's he's not that super worker. He's not, as he's shown, he, he's... He's not the sort of talent where he can go in there and have those, I guess, the, the classic 20-minute five-star takeover matches that we were accustomed to yeah. from Adam Cole, from Johnny Gargano, from Champa, from Andrade El Idolo. Those guys who'd set that benchmark and of what an of Finn Balor, of going back to Pac and Sami Zayn, just that, that benchmark NXT set where it was always those high-quality workers. Even, like I know he, some people didn't quite like him, but Bobby Roode, when he was there, it was a different style. It was a more methodical style, but they were those slower paced matches um, where it was all about the time given and making the most of that time. But Rue told his story a different way to Adam Cole, Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa. And so then the, the, it was the habit was we expected 20 minute main events that were just full of false finishes by the time that, that Cross got there. And it's like, he's not that kind of guy. He's not, he's not a good a worker as a Johnny Gargano, as, a, as, a, as an Adam Cole, as a Ciampa. But if, He's the classic professional wrestling star where it's like, it is about the look. It, it shouldn't always be about the look, but with him, he's got the look. He's got, especially, they got it so right in NXT, that presentation with the entrance, with the, the slow build, with Scarlet, with the smoke, with just his look. Uh, and then once all of that's stripped away from him, yeah, he's not the greatest worker, but they stripped that away from him on WWE, all the good stuff, then handed him some really naff stuff. Had him losing like two minutes to Jeff Hardy in his debut. It's like, yeah, dead in the water. So I think, yeah, I'm not expecting Cross to go out and have five star bangers with Roman, but I, I think he's he's every inch a main event star if you handle him correctly and how you present him. And you've got you've got a full faith, I guess, in trips to uh, to to know how to to work with with a talent like that and know his strengths, know his weaknesses. Absolutely. So we'll see how things pan out for Mr. Cross, but. An encouraging uh, first night back on the job, I think. And hey, listen, I started this show by going, ah, you know, a little bit disappointed by this. A little, little let down by the lack of swooping changes compared to Raw. But you know what? After reflecting this content, I'm feeling a little bit better about it myself. So, hey, here we go. It's a new era, baby. Uh, thank you so much again for joining us here today for your SmackDown review. Remember, you can catch our feed on whatever app you use, your podcasts, however you catch up with them, whatever aggregator, we're going to be there, baby. We're everywhere. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at WaltCultureWWE, where you can also find Andrew Pollard at... That's Culture Left Peg. 
And you can find me at Andy H. Murray. The H stands for, uh, I haven't really thought of one, but Habanero, I guess. Uh, we'll be back later today with the Raw preview. Uh, and we'll see you later. Goodbye. Peace. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.